Chapter forty two, part one of Principles of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in March two thousand eighteen. Principles of Geology by Charles Lyell. Chapter forty two extinction of species influence of inorganic causes part one powers of diffusion indispensable that each species may maintain its ground how changes in physical geography affect the distribution of species rate of the change of species due to this cause cannot be uniform every change in the physical geography of large regions tends to the extinction of species effects of a general alteration of climate on the migration of species gradual refrigeration would cause species in the northern and southern hemispheres to become distinct elevation of temperature the reverse effects on the condition of species which must result from inorganic changes inconsistent with the theory of transmutation powers of diffusion indispensable that each species may maintain its ground having shown in the last chapter how considerably the numerical increase or the extension of the geographical range of any one species must derange the numbers and distribution of others let us now direct our attention to the influence which the inorganic causes described in the second book are continually exerting on the habitations of species so great is the instability of the earth's surface that if nature were not continually engaged in the task of sowing seeds and colonizing animals the depopulation of a certain portion of the habitable sea and land would in a few years be considerable whenever a river transports sediment into a lake or sea so as materially to diminish its depth the aquatic animals and plants which delight in deep water are expelled the tract however is not allowed to remain useless but is soon peopled by species which require more light and heat and thrive where the water is shallow every addition made to the land by the encroachment of the delta of a river banishes many subaqueous species from their native abodes but the new formed plain is not permitted to lie unoccupied being instantly covered with terrestrial vegetation the ocean devours continuous lines of sea coasts and precipitates forests or rich pasture land into the waves but this space is not lost to the animate creation for shells and seaweeds soon adhere to the new-made cliffs and numerous fish people the channel which the current has scooped out for itself no sooner has a volcanic island been thrown up that some lichens begin to grow upon it and it is sometimes clothed with verdure while smoke and ashes are still occasionally thrown from the crater the cocoa pandanus and mangrove take root upon the coral reef before it has fairly risen above the waters the burning stream of lava that descends from etna rolls through the stately forest and converts to ashes every tree and herb which stands in its way but the black strip of land thus desolated is covered again in the course of time with oaks pines and chestnuts 
as luxuriant as those which the fiery torrent swept away. Every flood and landslip, every wave which a hurricane or earthquake throws upon the shore, every shower of volcanic dust and ashes which buries a country far and wide to the depth of many feet, every advance of the sand flood, every conversion of salt water into fresh when rivers alter their main channel of discharge, every permanent variation in the rise or fall of tides in an estuary, these and countless other causes displace, in the course of a few centuries, certain plants and animals from stations which they previously occupied. If, therefore, the author of nature had not been prodigal to those numerous contrivances before alluded to, for spreading all classes of organic beings over the earth, if he had not ordained that the fluctuations of the animate and inanimate creation should be in perfect harmony with each other, it is evident that considerable spaces, now the most habitable on the globe, would soon be as devoid of life as are the alpine snows, or the dark abysses of the ocean, or the moving sands of the Sahara. The powers then of migration and diffusion conferred on animals and plants are indispensable to enable them to maintain their ground, and would be necessary, even though it were never intended that a species should gradually extend its geographical range. But a facility of shifting their quarters being once given, it cannot fail to happen that the inhabitants of one province should occasionally penetrate into some other since the strongest of those barriers which i before described as separating distinct regions are all liable to be thrown down one after the other during the vicissitudes of the earth's surface how changes in physical geography affect the distribution of species the numbers and distribution of particular species are affected in two ways by changes in the physical geography of the earth First, these changes promote or retard the migrations of species. Secondly, they alter the physical conditions of the localities which species inhabit. If the ocean should gradually wear its way through an isthmus, like that of Suez, it would open a passage for the intermixture of the aquatic tribes of two seas previously disjoined, and at the same time close a free communication which the terrestrial plants and animals of two continents had before enjoyed. These would be, perhaps, the most important consequences, in regard to the distribution of species, which would result from the breach made by the sea in such a spot. But there would be others of a distinct nature, such as the conversion of a certain tract of land, which formed the isthmus, into sea. This space, previously occupied by terrestrial plants and animals, would be immediately delivered over to the aquatic, a local revolution which might have happened in innumerable other parts of the globe, without being attended by any alteration in the blending together of species of two distinct provinces. Rate of change of species cannot be uniform. This observation leads me to point out one of the most interesting conclusions to which we are led by the contemplation of the vicissitudes of the inanimate world in relation to those of the animate. 
it is clear that if the agency of inorganic causes be uniform as i have supposed they must operate very irregularly on the state of organic beings so that the rate according to which these will change in particular regions will not be equal in equal periods of time i am not about to advocate the doctrine of general catastrophes recurring at certain intervals as in the ancient oriental cosmogonies nor do i doubt that if very considerable periods of equal duration could be compared one with another the rate of change in the living as well as in the inorganic world might be nearly uniform but if we regard each of the causes separately which we know to be at present the most instrumental in remodelling the state of the surface we shall find that we must expect each to be in action for thousands of years without producing any extensive alterations in the habitable surface and then to give rise during a very brief period to important revolutions illustration derived from subsidences i shall illustrate this principle by a few of the most remarkable examples which present themselves in the course of the last century as we have seen a considerable number of instances are recorded of the solid surface whether covered by water or not having been permanently sunk or upraised by subterranean movements most of these convulsions are only accompanied by temporary fluctuations in the state of limited districts and a continued repetition of these events for thousands of years might not produce any decided change in the state of many of those great zoological or botanical provinces of which i have sketched the boundaries when for example large parts of the ocean and even of inland seas are a thousand fathoms or upwards in depth it is a matter of no moment to the animate creation that vast tracts should be heaved up many fathoms at certain intervals or should subside to the same amount neither can any material revolution be produced in south america either in the terrestrial or the marine plants or animals by a series of shocks on the coast of chile each of which like that of penco in 1751 should uplift the coast about twenty-five feet nor if the ground sinks fifty feet at a time as in the harbour of port royal in jamaica in sixteen ninety two will such alterations of level work any general fluctuations in the state of organic beings inhabiting the west indian islands or the caribbean sea it is only when the subterranean powers by shifting gradually the points where their principal force is developed happen to strike upon some particular region where a slight change of level immediately affects the distribution of land and water or the state of the climate or the barriers between distinct groups of species over extensive areas that the rate of fluctuation becomes accelerated and may in the course of a few years or centuries work mightier changes than had been experienced in myriads of antecedent years thus for example a repetition of subsidences causing the narrow isthmus of panama to sink down a few hundred feet would in a few centuries bring about a great revolution in the state of the animate creation in the western hemisphere thousands of aquatic species would pass for the first time from the caribbean sea into the pacific 
and thousands of others, before peculiar to the Pacific Ocean, would make their way into the Caribbean Sea, the Gulf of Mexico, and the Atlantic. A considerable modification would probably be occasioned by the same event in the direction or volume of the Gulf Stream, and thereby the temperature of the sea and the contiguous lands may be altered as far as the influence of that current extends. A change of climate might thus be produced in the ocean from Florida to Spitzbergen, and in many countries of North America, Europe, and Greenland. Not merely the heat, but the quantity of rain which falls would be altered in certain districts, so that many species would be excluded from tracts where they before flourished, others would be reduced in number, and some would thrive more and multiply. The seeds also and the fruits of plants would no longer be drifted in precisely the same directions, nor the eggs of aquatic animals, neither would species be any longer impeded in their migrations towards particular stations before shut out from them by their inability to cross the mighty current. Let us take another example from a part of the globe which is at present liable to suffer by earthquakes, namely the low sandy tract which intervenes between the Sea of Azov and the Caspian. If there should occur a sinking down to a trifling amount, and such ravines should be formed as might be produced by a few earthquakes, not more considerable than have fallen within our limited observation during the last 150 years, the waters of the Sea of Azov would pour rapidly into the Caspian, which, according to the measurements lately made by the Academy of St. Petersburg, is 84 feet below the level of the Black Sea. The Sea of Azov would immediately borrow from the Black Sea, that sea again from the Mediterranean, and the Mediterranean from the Atlantic, so that an inexhaustible current would pour down into the low tracts of Asia bordering the Caspian, by which all the sandy salt steppes adjacent to that sea would be inundated. An area of several thousand square leagues, now below the level of the Mediterranean, would be converted from land into sea. Illustration derived from the elevation of land. Let us next imagine a few cases of the elevation of land of small extent at certain critical points, as, for example, in the shallowest part of the Straits of Gibraltar, where the deepest soundings from the African to the European side give only 220 fathoms. In proportion as this submarine barrier of rock was upheaved, the whole channel would be contracted in width and depth, and the volume of water which the current constantly flowing from the Atlantic pours into the Mediterranean would be lessened. But the loss of the inland sea by evaporation would remain the same, so that being no longer able to draw on the ocean for a supply sufficient to restore its equilibrium, it must sink and leave dry a certain portion of land around its borders. The current which now flows constantly out of the Black Sea into the Mediterranean would then rush in more rapidly, and the level of the Mediterranean would be thereby prevented from falling so low, but the level of the Black Sea would, for the same reason, sink, so that when, by a continued series of elevatory movements, the Straits of Gibraltar had become completely closed up, we might expect large and level sandy steppes to surround both the Black Sea and Mediterranean, 
like those occurring at present on the skirts of the Caspian and the Lake of Aral. The geographical range of hundreds of aquatic species would be thereby circumcised, and that of hundreds of terrestrial plants and animals extended. A line of submarine volcanoes crossing the channel of some strait, and gradually choking it up with ashes and lava, might produce a new barrier as effectually as a series of earthquakes, especially if thermal springs, charged with carbonate of lime, silica, and other mineral ingredients, should promote the rapid multiplication of corals and shells, and cement them together with solid matter precipitated during the intervals between eruptions. Suppose in this manner a stoppage to be caused of the Bahama Channel between the bank of that name and the coast of Florida. This insignificant revolution, confined to a mere spot in the bottom of the ocean, would, by diverting the main current of the Gulf Stream, give rise to extensive changes in the climate and distribution of animals and plants inhabiting the northern hemisphere. Illustration from the Formation of New Islands A repetition of elevatory movements of earthquakes might continue over an area as extensive as Europe, for thousands of ages, at the bottom of the ocean, in certain regions, and produce no visible effects, whereas, if they should operate in some shallow parts of the Pacific, amid the coral archipelagos, they would soon give birth to a new continent. Hundreds of volcanic islands may be thrown up, and become covered with vegetation, without causing more than local fluctuations in the animate world. But if a chain like the Aleutian Archipelago, or the Curile Isles, run for a distance of many hundred miles, so as to form an almost uninterrupted communication between two continents, or two distant islands, the migration of plants, birds, insects, and even of some quadrupeds may cause, in a short term, an extraordinary series of revolutions tending to augment the range of some animals and plants, and to limit that of others. A new archipelago might be formed in the Mediterranean, the Bay of Biscay, and a thousand other places, and might produce less important events than one rock which should rise up between Australia and Java, so placed that winds and currents might cause an interchange of the plants, insects, and birds. From the wearing through of an isthmus If we turn from the igneous to the aqueous agents, we find the same tendency to an irregular rate of change, naturally connected with the strictest uniformity in the energy of those causes. When the sea, for example, gradually encroaches upon both sides of a narrow isthmus, as that of Sleswick, separating the North Sea from the Baltic, where, as before stated, the cliffs on both the opposite coasts are wasting away, no material alteration results for thousands of years, save only that there is a progressive conversion of a small strip of land into water. A few feet only, or a few yards, are annually removed, but if, at last, the partition should be broken down, and the tides of the ocean should enter by a direct passage into the inland sea, instead of going by a circuitous route through the Kattegat, a body of salt water would sweep up as far as the gulfs of Bosnia and Finland, 
the waters of which are now brackish or almost fresh and this revolution would be attended by the local annihilation of many species similar consequences must have resulted on a small scale when the sea opened its way through the isthmus of staveren in the thirteenth century forming a union between an inland lake and the ocean and opening in the course of one century a shallow strait more than half as wide as the narrowest part of that which divides england from france changes in physical geography which must occasion extinction of species it will almost seem superfluous after i have thus traced the important modifications in the condition of living beings which flow from changes of trifling extent to argue that entire revolutions might be brought about if the climate and physical geography of the whole globe were greatly altered it has been stated that species are in general local some being confined to extremely small spots and depending for their existence on a combination of causes which if they are to be met with elsewhere occur only in some very remote region hence it must happen that when the nature of these localities is changed the species will perish for it will rarely happen that the cause which alters the character of the district will afford new facilities to the species to establish itself elsewhere End of chapter 42, part 1